Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Sandra is a board-certified internal medicine physician, a speaker, and an author. And in her new book, Sacred Rest, she highlights seven types of rest that we need to have if we're ever going to be able to be productive, happy, and if we're ever going to stop feeling so burned out. And that's exactly what we're talking about in today's episode. Friends, I learned rest is not a luxury, but it's an essential part of our lives. And Sandra's going to teach us exactly how to make that a reality with some really practical tips that are totally doable. She'll also explain the difference between getting a good night's sleep and getting rest because apparently they're two totally separate things. And that's why you can get a good night's sleep and still feel burned out and empty and cranky the next day. Anyone else experience this? Such as me? Seriously, I learned so much about rest in this conversation. Sandra's seven types of rest totally blew my mind, and they helped me pinpoint some areas where I'm actually experiencing some burnout, and she gave me some fresh ideas on how to find the rest that I need. And I know that this episode is going to do the same for you. But before we dive in, speaking of rest, if you're looking for a new book to read during your quiet, restful times in the morning, I have the perfect resource for you. It's called the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and it's a 90-day devotional to help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. In this devotional, we talk about how to consistently spend time with God and how to feel connected to Him well beyond your morning quiet times. We talk about how to step into your God-given identity, feeling truly beautiful and good enough in your skin. We talk about how to keep your faith strong in the midst of transition, uncertainty, and really hard days. We talk about how to trust the plans God has for your life and how to figure out what those plans actually are. And that's just the beginning. Friends, if you're looking for ways to grow in your faith these days, I would love to share this with you. To pick up a copy, you can go to smaywilsonshop.com or you can click the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, with that said, let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Sandra. Okay, friends, I'm so excited for what I get to share with you today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and I have so many questions for her. I'm so excited to just pick your brain. So Sandra, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Yes, well, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been in practice now for about 20 years. have two sons that are teenagers, married for 20 years as well. And my fun fact, um, the one thing probably no one knows about me except for my husband, is that my minor in college was jazz dance. So that was my backup plan if I didn't become a doctor. (laughs) I was going to Broadway with the jazz hands and all. (laughs) That is amazing. That is amazing. That is such a great fun fact. I feel like (laughs) next time I see my doctor, I'm going to be like, yeah, but can you dance? Like, (laughs) I mean... You have nothing on Dr. Sandra if you cannot also <laughs> whip out some really epic jazz hands. That's amazing. That's so good. Well, so um, we're going to talk about rest and burnout today because that's something that you like speak and write about so much, which I'm so grateful for. We all need this. Um, yes. And so I want to just kind of start out. Rest seems like it should be a simple thing to do, right? But 
it's not. In practice, it's not. Can Why do so many of us struggle to rest or struggle with burnout and fatigue and insomnia? Well, I think we've started calling something rest that isn't. For most of us, we either call sleep rest and we combine them up into one big thing. So we say, well, I'm going to go rest tonight. And we really just mean we're going to sleep. The problem with that is sleep is only one of the different types of rest that I found in my research, I'm only one of the seven. And so when someone says that they're going to sleep and that's the only way they define rest, they set themselves up to be deficient in one of the other types of rest. And then you start thinking, well, rest doesn't really work because I tried it and I still woke up tired the next day. And so for many of us, it's really a mindset shift of what is rest and what does it look like, redefining it for ourselves so that we can understand when we're getting it and when we're not getting it. You know, sitting on the couch watching Netflix is not rest for most people. That's why you still feel tired after you're done doing it. Really, it's not rest unless it's a restorative type activity. If you're not actually re pouring back into one of those seven areas, then it's not rest. It's just fun work or it's just the cessation of activity. It's not actually helping to bring you back to a place of fullness. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think that, yeah, we think of rest as as stopping all activity, but what you're saying is it's not stopping activity. It's it's doing the right activities that actually fill you up instead of just yeah. sitting there empty. Absolutely. They're restorative activities. I think that is probably the biggest mindset shift for people. Rest should equal restoration in one of these seven areas of your life. So once you start thinking about it that way, then when you say, I'm, I need to rest, you start thinking about, well, what needs resting? What needs restored? And you're much more intentional, which means you're much more successful at actually achieving what you desire. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Well, so I'm dying to hear about the seven types of rest, but before I do... You know, I know as an author that when we write a book about something, uh, it's usually because we've had to learn about it the hard way. Like I, I find yeah. that normally we don't put the time and effort into writing a book or or really studying something unless we've personally felt the effects or personally felt the need. Mm -hmm. So what has this looked like in your life? Well, I burned out. I, like I said, I've been practicing medicine for 20 years. So about 10 years into my medical practice, I had my kids and they were both toddlers at the time. So I was doing the dropping off at daycare and picking up at daycare and you still have, you're still a mom. So you still had to all this other stuff to do. And I was still working 40, 50, 60 hours a week sometimes. So I got to a point where I was just pouring and pouring and pouring. And I, I was spending all of my energy on the pouring out and didn't even consider I, that, rest was something I had time for. You know, it was like, I don't have time to rest. I'll rest on my vacations. And that doesn't work. That leads to burnout. And so I remember one day getting home from picking up the kids from daycare and I set them in front of the TV. Yeah, I call her my electronic nanny because she kept them entertained while I got, went and did other <laughs> <Yep>. stuff. <laughs> so I set them in front of that and I recall that particular day, I was just at the end of myself. I went and laid down on the four-year floor. I was just so exhausted. My body hurt. I mean, it was the type of exhaustion that was kind of mind, body, and spirit deep. And laying there, I just remember thinking, this, there has to be more than this. I didn't spend all these years going after this goal to feel like this, and this is success. You know, this, I've got girlfriends saying, girl, you've got the life. And I'm like, you don't want this life. This is not fun. This doesn't feel good. And I knew something had to change. Yeah. What did um what did your family say or or notice in that time? 
That's the thing. I don't think anyone noticed anything because on the outside, it looked so good. It looked so successful. You know, at the time that I was at my deepest level of burnout, I was achieving um, a lot. And I think that's the thing that confuses people sometimes when um when you have a certain personality that, you know, if you have the personality of a high achiever, you can go, go, go in the middle of your emptiness. You can, I mean, and it's not even faking it. You just have learned how to push through the exhaustion at the expense of yourself, your sanity and anything else. You can just keep getting stuff done. You, you are a producer and producing comes easy to you. It's the actual enjoyment of life that comes a lot harder. The slowing down, the reflection, the taking the time to enjoy what you actually produce. And so, you know, that's the group that I love working with now because so many people don't get us. They don't get what it's like to be a, a high achiever, producer type person, because for some people that is hard for them to do. They have a hard time kind of getting it going and and producing for others of us. That's just that's that's how we function. Right. And if you tell us to stop, you it's almost like you're cutting off an arm. Yeah. You know? yes. <laughs> it's like, stop. That's no, thank you. That's not fun. But that's the thing that I had to, to really get to grips with as much as difficult as rest is for me. I had to learn it because it was killing me not to. Yeah. So what did, what, what did you do first? Like you have two small kids, you have a thriving Mm. medical practice that takes 40, 50, 60 hours of your week. You're a wife, you have a house, you have friends, you have to shower sometimes. All the things. All the things. (laughs) What, what, how did you, what were some of the first steps you took? Well, honestly, the very first step I took was at the time, I didn't really feel like that I was sleeping very well. So I, my only knowledge of rest when I first got started was just like everybody else. I must be sleep deprived. I need more sleep. So, yep. so that's honestly where I started. So I started off with, okay, I'm going to make a point that I'm going to not try to do work after nine or when eight, when I put the kids to bed, I'm going to force myself down to sleep and get these eight, nine hours that every, all my textbooks are telling me that I need. So I did that for a a couple of months and it did not help because (laughs) sleep was not my issue. I did not have a physical rest deficit. That was not the problem. And that's when it really got real because that's when it was like, you know, Goodness, what's good? <laughs> well, now what do I do? Because yeah. what I've been told and trained should work isn't working. And from that point, I started looking at really thinking about what what is what's tired in me. I started asking myself, because I kept saying, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. And one day it just dawned on me, what's tired? And I was like, you know, what's what's tired? <laughs> what, what, what does that even mean? What's tired? <laughs> And when I started thinking about it, it's, it really started hitting me that the part of me that felt the most drained was the part of me that was able to kind of take off the mask. I had so many professional type roles that I spent majority of my day, not necessarily trying to be fake, but trying to be professional. So I would sit down with my patients, you know, and be professional. I would be in the hospital, the ER, the ICU, being professional. And so there wasn't really anyone that I could just let loose with. 
you know, I didn't have time to hang out with my girlfriends because I was busy all the time. Right. And, you know, I wasn't going to bring my work home to my husband. He didn't deserve that. I mean, these people were going through real stuff. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it finally hit me. I'm having something. Uh, there's some type of emotional drain that's happening in my life. And I'm not getting that filled back up. That was the first one that hit me. Yeah. Uh, there's something emotional I need filling in. And that's when I started looking at, okay, so I'm not physically tired. I'm emotionally tired. I'm drained from emotionally dealing with people and all of their problems all day long. Yeah. And I started to look at how, what makes me feel better in that area. And so this was a long process. I would probably say discovering and extrapolating the seven types of rest, seeing kind of how they played out in my life. We're talking probably a full seven, eight, nine years of working through something piece by piece and then taking it back to my patients and looking in their life to see, well, I have this you know, deficit. Do you have it too? Yeah. And trying to see what was common between people, not situational, not, you know, um, socioeconomic, not racial, what was common among everybody. And those were the ones that popped up. Okay. So I need to hear, tell us about the seven types of rest. And if you can just like, tell us a little bit about each one of them. I would love that. Sure. I'll name them first and we can, I'll go back through. Um, the seven types are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, sensory, social, and creative. And the physical, we kind of hit on a little bit. The physical really is just like it sounds. Um, the thing about the physical is it divides up into active and passive. So you have passive physical rest, which are things like napping and sleeping. That's what we mostly are familiar with. Then you have active physical rest, which are the things that help your muscles stay relaxed and your circulatory system stay active, your lymphatics draining properly. So things that help with that are something like leisure walks, or um, yoga or stretching, those kind of things that just kind of keep the body in a relaxed state. Then you have mental rest. Mental rest is when you allow your mind to get to that kind of quiet cerebral space where you're not ruminating over thoughts, not doing your mental checklist. You can actually have your thought processes kind of come to the, I always say, look at, think about it like a pond You know, you drop the pebble in. That's how most of our brains are. It's like rippling all the time. There's always some movement. Mm -hmm. You want to get to the place where you can see your reflection in it, where it stops long enough that you can actually be like, oh, okay, my mind's clear. Yeah. Um, then there's spiritual rest. Spiritual rest is interesting because it really plays a lot into kind of people's own personal spiritual journeys. But at the core of it is being able to look at a relationship with the holy over a religion, over kind of the dogma and the rhetoric and all of that. And to be able to think about it more in the relationship aspect of religion, that feeling of belonging, of acceptance, of being loved. The, social, the sensory part of rest, sensory rest is the rest that we receive when we allow our senses to quiet down. So it's things like silence and darkness. It's being aware of the amount of sensory input we get from our external, our external um, the environment and our work life. And then kind of being very intentional about getting rest in those areas. Social rest is the rest we receive when we are around life-giving people. 
So most of us spend most of our time around people who require things from us, our kids, our families, our coworkers, our clients, they all need things from you. So they are negatively pulling on you socially. And the you know studies show that most adults have fewer adult friends than ever because our lives are so, much of our lives are spent with those people who need us, who are negatively pulling on us. Not that they're negative people, it's just how they pull on our energy. And so it's important to have those people in your life that don't want anything from you. They just like being around you and you mm-hmm. like being around them. And then creative rest is the rest we receive when we allow ourselves to appreciate beauty. So it's letting beauty create something inside of you. So unlike an art class, you know, where you take up with your girlfriends and you go to an art class or a pottery class, that's creative work. You're putting a demand on your creativity. Creative rest looks like when you go to the beach and you have that feeling of kind of awe and wonder looking at the beauty. Or you're in a museum. Some people get the same feeling at a symphony or if they're at a play or in the mountains. It's letting that beauty do something on the inside of you. And that's really most important for people who not, don't even think of themselves as creatives. So I'm not talking about artists and musicians. I mean, people like a homeschooling mom who has to figure out how to teach one child who's a visual learner and another who's an auditory learner and has to creatively think outside of the box to make that work. Or someone who like uh, is an entrepreneur And they're trying to think about how do I market my business? How do I connect with my customer? So many of us are having to be creative all day long, and yet we don't think of ourselves as creative, so we don't pour back into that part of ourselves. This is so good. This is so good. I'm I'm like doing a mental inventory of like, okay, what parts of me feel tired right now? Or or when have I felt tired in different ways? And I think the thing that you said about social rest, about being around people who don't need anything from you, I think that that's a, a really a lot of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast because I would be sitting at dinner with friends who didn't need anything from me. I wasn't like mentoring them or they weren't, or I mean, even if they came to dinner with, you know, a problem or an issue or something, it was something that, that I was so happy to talk to them about. It didn't feel um, draining. And, you know, I had things that they were talking me through and, but those Mm -hmm. conversations were so, were so uplifting. And like, I felt so restored at the end of them that finally I had a couple really, really good ones in a row when I was thinking about starting this show. And, and I walked out going, I wish I had my microphone. Like, I I wish I had a microphone. (laughs) I wish someone else could have heard this because I felt like, God spoke to me so much through my friend's story and, and being there at dinner with her and and just something about that interaction, like just filled up my soul. And so that's why I was like, I need to start, I need to start like recording these, you know, I need to start sharing these um, because I know that other people need this as much as I do. So how do we figure out like what, you know, well, first of all, how do we figure out what area we're, we're lacking in? Because I think sometimes we find ourselves so depleted, we're like, I don't even know. Yes, that's a great question. That was the number one question I received when I started to, when I when I finally got the idea that, okay, these are the seven. This, you know, I hashed around, moved them around. Like, I feel like these are the seven. And I took it back to my own patient population and started, you know, working through it with them. The number, that was the number one question. I need all seven, which, you know, I, that's exhausting, which... <laughs> Like, no, you you know, we have all seven. You probably are getting most of them, but there's one or two that you're most efficient in. And those are the ones that are keeping you tired. That's really where the whole 
rest quiz concept came from because people needed a way of doing kind of a self-analysis, a way of saying, okay, well, I'm tired and I can't differentiate which tired. So help me figure out which tired it is. And so um, in my book, Sacred Rest, that's one of the very first things I have people do. It's on chapter three. We go to stop, stop reading go to the end of the book, take the assessment. And then what I found was a lot of people are so gadget tech, um, you know, consumed that we needed to have an electronic version of it as well. So people could easily kind of just click through and get an answer at the end. But that was the reason for that, because I had so many people say, well, you know, when they first, we first started this was that, okay, I'm trying to get rest in all seven of these areas and it's so overwhelming. And I'm like, why are you doing that? They're like, well, I need all, I was like, yeah, you do need all seven, but the the problem is the one that's keep that is the most deficient is the one that's making you feel the worst. When you fix it, it's like the other ones automatically start getting into place because they weren't exhausting you. They may have been slightly depleted, but they weren't at a level of depletion where you felt bad. Once you feel, fix the area of your greatest depletion, then you can start working on some small changes for those other areas. That's so helpful because I, I think you know, especially if you're kind of a doer or a high achiever, you're like, okay, great. Like I've made a list of all seven and I have made three, (laughs) three goals to accomplish today under each section or something. You're like, oh gosh, now I'm even more tired. We're going to link to both your book and to that rest quiz in the show notes, just so everyone knows. Cause I know everyone's like, okay, where do I find that? (laughs) So when it comes, like once we figure out what kind of rest we need, Are there some like common practices or things that are generally helpful for a lot of people? Or is it like you really kind of have to figure out what you like, how you fill up creatively? Yeah, it it is very individualized. And so for most people, once you determine what what your rest deficit is, what I have you do is start immediately thinking about when did you feel better? Because for most of us, we are already doing some natural restorative things. We just haven't labeled them as useful. Most most of the time, they're things we do kind of almost by accident or it's almost like our soul gravitates towards it. And we don't even know what, what we're doing or why we're doing, but we leave those moments feeling better. And you're like, wow, that felt good. And then you just kind of brush it off and go about your day without really taking, taking inventory of, hey, that was a restorative activity for me. So once people start thinking about this, that's what I have them do. Start, start really kind of evaluating when you have a day that you, you know, it's six o'clock, it's the end of the day, and you're feeling awesome. You're like, you know, I did all this stuff and I just felt great. Think about how I is that? Why is it some days you do all this work and at the end of the day you feel like crap and other days you do all this work and you're like, man, I feel like someone just poured into me. And that's the thing because rest isn't about stopping. It's about being filled. And so for some of us, our filling comes in, in doing, but we're not doing where we're pouring out. We're doing where we're receiving. And so you have to be aware of that because one of some, one of the most restful things for me are long hike prayer walks in the mountains. Hmm. I'm, I mean, physically I'm tired, but my mind, my soul, my spirit is like yeah. alive. And I end those days <laughs> feeling amazing. Yep. And so, you know, you don't let other people kind of judge what your rest looks like because for many people, they think it's just laying around on the sofa and that's why they're still tired. So you have yes. to determine 
what fills you back up? What is the rest you need? At this point in my life, I don't need um, more sleep. I get my sleep is sound and seven hours is all I need. And I wake up feeling rejuvenate, rejuvenated. Yeah. What I need is to have things that clear my mind and inspire me. Yes. And so that's what hours in the mountains and hours, you know, on the trails does for me. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I've been getting lots of sleep lately. Um, as we're recording this, uh, it's gosh, what month is it? It's June. And so we're just coming out of, <laughs> you know, we're still, we're still socially distancing from coronavirus mm-hmm. and we're still, you know, we've, we spent, we all spent months at home and, um, <laughs> I mean, I, you didn't maybe because <laughs> your work is a little bit more <laughs> crucial than mine, but I spent months at home and, um, thank you by the way. Uh, so I mean, one of the things I'm noticing in myself though is is a lack like I'm I'm physically totally rested, but I haven't I haven't explored anywhere in months. Mm-hmm. Like this is probably the longest that I've ever spent in my house consistently. And a couple of days ago, I just totally broke down crying because I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to yeah. I need I I need some some consistent social interaction. Like I need to go stay with family for a week or something. I need, I need Mm -hmm. more people around. And also I just need any sort of change of scenery because as much as I love my house and I do, and as much as I love my neighborhood and getting to take walks around here, like I just Mm -hmm. need to see something different. Um, and so that's something my husband and I are working on right now. We're like, okay, what's, you know, where's somewhere we can go? You know, we're still not really flying yet. So, you know, where can we drive or what can we what can we do that's like safe and responsible? And, and, but yeah, that's, I, I just, just this weekend, like cried some big tears about feeling just, I haven't seen, it feels like I haven't seen beauty in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a weird yeah, I, thing to like acknowledge that that's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. I think that's, that's really, that's really those self-responsible so, because you, to be at your best, and that's the thing about rest, to be at your best, to give your best to the world, to give the, at your best level of offering, you have to be able to know yourself like that and to be okay claiming that, you know, I need, I need to be surrounded by beauty. And that's, that's exactly how I feel with the work that I do, whether it's whether it's the writing or the speaking or the hands-on medicine, all of it requires some level of creativity. So I'm the same way. I told my family, I was like, I understand we're, you know, coming out of this social distancing and all of that. Uh, We have a beach trip planned at the end of July. I'm like, we may not do anything but stay in that room with me cooking, but I want to see water. Yes. (laughs) I got to be able to see water from the deck or, you know, I, I, we just got to go. Yeah. And they're like, well, there, we're not going to be able to go do our, you know, mini golfing or whatever it is we always do. Like, it's like, well, this is a different season, Yeah, but we can get out of this house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. You and I had the same conversation. Something about water. I like, truly, I'm like, I need to see a lake. I need to see a mm-hmm. swimming pool. Like we don't, I mean, we don't have a swimming pool and we don't have a neighborhood pool or anything either. And so I'm like, I need some sort of body of water. I don't care what it is. Um, we actually, my husband, after I uh, cried about this, uh, we went to, there's a, just a beautiful, like 
kind of botanic gardens here in Nashville mm-hmm. and I'd n- we'd never been. And so we went and it was, um, it was amazing and it was beautiful and it was a great change of scenery. And it felt like, I mean, we could have been anywhere in the world, just the beautiful right. things we were seeing, <laughs> but we did, there was this one little area where it had this kind of water feature thing trickling down in uh-huh. one of the manicured gardens. And like, I swear it took all of my self-control not to climb in it. Like I just, <laughs> it is hot here <laughs> and I need to get in a pool so bad. And I truly was like, do you think they'd kick me out if I got in this like nasty, like algae fountain? He's like, probably. Yes, I do think that they would. You know what? That's the number one type of creative rest is the body of water phenomenon that a lot of people have. That sense of calming and peace and kind of restoration of the soul with bodies of water. It's interesting. I'm an I'm a geek, so I do a lot of researching. So one of the big research pieces that I found with that was they did a study actually of the brains of people who were looking at bodies of water versus looking at like teal colored, you know, paintings and things. And there's actually a chemical change that happens in the brain for people who that is how they receive creative rest. So it's like, you know, because I always say it's it's not in my head, you know, (laughs) that I feel better around bodies of water. Well, the science shows it actually is in my head because there is a chemical change that happens. And one of the really interesting things that it showed was that, you know, because we can't always get away to the beach when we want to feel that. But it showed that they had a similar chemical reaction in the brain, a release of those kind of happy um, endorphins, even if they saw bodies of water on screen. So now I have like a virtual background that I do when I do some of my Zoom meetings that is the ocean that shows the water and the trees blowing. And it's so funny because when I'm talking, when I'm doing these meetings, I mean, they're like business meetings. You can feel the room just kind of take an overall breath because it is so calming for most people to see that. That (laughs) So if you're going into a hostile meeting, get the virtual background with the water. Yes. Yes. And be like, don't worry about it. Just feel what you feel, but watch the waves. Yeah. You'll feel That's different. Right. Watch the waves. <laughs> okay. That is so good to know because like truly I've been feeling this like deep hunger to be in and near water and I don't know. It's the kind of thing like that's a, that's a weird thing to feel. And so it's one of those things that you kind of brush aside, but that's so, that's really affirming to, to know that mm-hmm. one, that's a, that's a very common sorts of rest. And then also too, there's a chemical thing that happens when you're looking at the ocean. I'm like, okay, I thought I made that up, but that's awesome. <laughs> and it's not for everyone, but the people who have that, they know it. They know that something about bodies of water speaks something inside of them. It's like it awakens something and then that has to stay awakened for them to feel their best. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I really feel that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. 
Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Well, so I'm I'm kind of battling this right now as we're talking about this. Like, it feels a little silly for me to say, like, I cried about needing to see water and needing to get out of my house, you know? Or like, <laughs> like it feels fluffy and it feels indulgent. And it feels like, you know, especially if you have like a really important job or kids that rely on you or, you know, people that you are in charge of feeding and keeping alive, you know, it's like, 
I don't have kids and, and like I've house plants, but I still feel kind of like, I still feel guilty and silly for saying what I need in this area. Have you found one, is that normal? And two, do you have any ideas for how to like get around that? Uh, it's definitely normal. I think most of us, that's why we get burned out because there's this guilt with needing rest. Um, we we treat rest as if this luxury, like, you know, oh, that's only for people who, you know, <laughs> who have these perfect lives and have all this extra time and don't have responsibilities. And so they can go rest when really it's the people who are push to the max is the people who do have all the responsibility It's the people who do have, you know, all this stuff and goodness that they're pouring back into the world that need rest the most because they're the ones that are pouring out the most. And so there's this kind of personal boundaries that have to kind of go up a little bit. You know, none of us like to talk about boundaries because it feels confrontational, but you know, honestly, that's what a boundary is. It's supposed to be confrontational. And so your boundaries will push back at people and their expectations. So even as, you know, someone who, you know, if you feel like, oh, I don't want to ask this because the the question always comes to mind, why? Why don't you want to ask? Well, because you think someone's going to either judge it or you think that, you know, someone's going to give you pushback on it or question your decision to do it. And with rest, you have to have those boundaries erected, not because of of it being a luxury, but because you understand that it's the necessity that for you to give your best level of work, for you to be at your highest level of capacity, yeah. that to for you to care for people or whatever the, the situation is at your best, to be your strongest, that it requires you to do some self-care. And that self-care includes rest. And, and it looks different for every person because it depended on the type of rest that they need. So for one person, it may be they need to go get a massage because they hold all their stress in their neck and they're tight and tense all day long. For another person, it may look like, you know, shutting the bathroom door for five minutes to get some darkness and silence in your house. You know, for someone else, it may be needing to go to the beach or needing to go to the lake or needing to walk out for an evening stroll just to enjoy the sun and the flower and the breeze. So for each person, it's different depending on where they're getting their rest deficit, where they're needing to be poured in the most. Yeah. You know, I've, in the last couple of years, I've been learning a ton about boundaries um, and it's been, it's been hard. It's, it's a hard thing for me, um, but it's been so good. And there's something, you know, you said like, you need to, you need to decide on your boundaries. And I feel like Mm -hmm. the thing that's been really helpful for me is deciding ahead of time. So like it it just making a, making a rule for myself or, or saying this is without any input before I'm in the situation, before someone looks at me, like really like that's like, though that's a luxury or like (laughs) that, that's like before I think that they think I'm being weak, I need to decide like, this is what I do, you know, and, and mm-hmm. this is just what I need. And like, I've talked about this on the show before, but just an example of, of this is, you know, a lot of my job, and I know you totally get this, happens online and happens on my computer mm-hmm. and happens on Instagram. And I find that I am totally burned out if I spend too much time on Instagram. And so oh, um, yes. towards the end of the, so one, I don't have any of my notifications on. So I never get a notification from Instagram. (laughs) And, uh, also, you know, at around five or six, sometimes seven, I put my phone on airplane mode. I'm totally unreachable. So I tell my family, like, if you need something, 
like if something's pressing, like call my husband because I'm out of touch, but it just, mm-hmm. it restores my soul and and someone else may not need that, but with what my job looks like and what my heart looks like, that's a boundary I've set is like, I just cannot be, I cannot scroll on, on yes. my phone at night. Like I'm just, I'm not my best self if I do that. And that's a great example of sensory rest because that's what you're doing. You are forcing your senses to not have that ongoing input from the social media and your your cell phones and all of that. You know, and and it's really interesting with the research about phones, particularly, and you mentioned notifications. I love what you already have in place because – I, the easiest way I can probably describe this is as a physician, my life was attached to a pager, you know, for years. Yes. And so, you know, when every time that pager went off, I knew something bad was happening. Oh. <laughs> they didn't page me for, you know, stupid stuff. They always page for like somebody's about to die. Let's go do something. So when the pager go off, my body would like jerk. It's oh. like my all of my endorphins would re- release, all of my adrenaline would release. And I'd be like in this hyper state ready to run because I knew something bad was happening somewhere. I bet you'd feel like, like phantom, like phantom pages too. Like you'd be like, Oh, yeah. is that my pager? And it's like, no, it was, you know, something else, but it just, it would be and that's so what, hard. To that's like- what they found. That's what a lot of the research showed is that the general population now is having that same fight or flight type response just- with their cell phones. Because when the notification, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. The notification goes off. You have to look at it. It's like emergent. It's not like, oh, there's a notification. I'll get to it when I need to. No, the people are responding with the same level of intensity as a physician in the field. Now, think about that as an all day long. You know, at least I could turn it off when I wasn't on call. But if you're doing that day in and day out, and so... um, there's some new research is not completed that talks about kind of how our stress levels are affecting our attitudes, our marriages, our, you know, people are a lot road rage, people are a lot more angry and anxious and, you know, um, ready to fight a lot more now than they have been in the past. Yeah. And a lot of that they feel is because we are so on edge because we are constantly in sensory overload. Oh my gosh. That is, cr- that is crazy. You know, you, so, I mean, you just kind of mentioned, but what are some of the, when when we're talking about rest and we're talking about needing to like turn off, needing to fill up, what is actually at stake here? Like if we don't do this, how does it affect our physical bodies? How does it affect our relationships, our marriages, our work, our parenting, our spiritual lives? Like what actually happens to us if we decide that we don't need rest. Yes. Well, unfortunately, all of those areas can suffer. I think physically, a lot of people notice the lack of sleep, the insomnia that sometimes goes with that, uh, increased anxiety, the increased body aches and pains. I always say if you're someone who finds that you have the chronic sinus infection, it's like you get sick when nobody else is sick, your immune system's shot. And why is that? For many of us, it's because your cortisol levels are staying too high because you're staying too stressed. Now, that could be from ongoing social media, you know, notifications going off, or that could be because you just refuse to take time off and actually to rest, to do those things you need to do. And, you know, I said take time off, but rest isn't really about taking a vacation. It's more about kind of being very intentional about doing these restorative activities in the middle of your busy day. Hmm. You know, what, what about taking 15 minutes in the middle of, you know, an intense 
online session where you're typing and working online just to take 15 minutes just to kind of break away close your eyes stretch your neck do a couple of things to do something restorative in the in the moment not necessarily having to completely break from work not quit your job not go on vacation but do something restorative in the moment and within our families i think honestly that's probably been my greatest joy with the book is just some um of the emails that I get really from husbands whose wives have read the book and they'll write me sometimes and say, you know, I don't know you, I haven't read your book, but I just have to tell you the change I've noticed in my wife now that she's getting um, more rest, now that she's read the book. And I love that they oftentimes will end up reading the book together after that because they're curious, like, wow, that was, <laughs> and it made her feel that much yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to read it too. But the changes that they mentioned are that, uh, and my favorite one was a gentleman who said, you know, um, my wife and I have been together for 10 years. We, you know, we got married. We had these kids we got a year or two in. He's like, and we were starting to grow apart. And she started doing this thing that I recommended because a lot of couples, you know, we fall in love face to face. But after we get life and kids, we're not usually face to face unless we're fighting or talking about bills or hard mm-hmm. stuff. And so I challenged them with the social rest component is to practice eye to eye contact. Five minutes eye to eye, not like not weird, but we're not going to look at our computer or our cell phones and all the other stuff we look at TV when we're sitting together. We're going to make an effort to actually be eye to eye and look into each other's eyes and actually ask about our days and let the other person have that moment of emotional rest to just tell you what the day was like, not asking you to fix it not asking you to understand it, just being able to share. And it was amazing to hear him describe how doing that regularly for a couple of weeks changed the dynamics of their marriage, how it changed their level of intimacy, how they fell back in love again, doing what they fell in, how they fell in love in the first place. We don't fall in love looking at our laptops. Right. We fall in love face to face. So I just love stories like that because I think the thing is most of us, when we think about rest, we get very one-sided. We think it's all health-related. But it is about how well we live. I feel like a well-rested life is a life well-lived. That'll preach. That's so good. That's so good. Um, When we're, you know, I, I mentioned like the fact that a lot of us have just been home a lot. And that's, so that's one thing that's kind of on one hand. But the other thing is that we have our daily work, like whatever's going on in our work lives. What effect does our like our, our environment, I guess, have on rest. Mm-hmm. That really has a huge part specifically on the sensory aspect of rest because if, you, if you're working in a, in a location where maybe there's a lot of bright lights or if there's phones ringing in the background, if you're hearing other people's conversations, sometimes you have a low level of sensory input that is ongoing consistent all day long. Uh, if you're um, a mom and you're working from home with high-pitched kids screaming, <laughs> laughing and screaming and playing, I mean, they're not being irritating, but that's still a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. all day long. And you have to be aware of kind of where you're being drained in your senses, because that can come back to have effects in very interesting ways. I'll give an example. I had one um, couple who was having issues with their sex life. And, you know, the, the, the husband was like, she didn't like to be touched anymore. And so I'm like, okay, do you not like sex? She's like, no, I have no problem with sex. I just don't, I, I don't know. I just don't like being touched. And it comes, they had three kids. They were all under five. I mean, if you think about that, this woman's touched all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all day long, she's being touched. She was being sensory overloaded in that area of touch. And so a simple solution was, okay, so bedtime now is daddy time. 
And so daddy puts the kids to bed and gives mommy 30 minutes to reclaim her body, to take a shower in peace. Yes. <laughs> anybody bother her. No one hanging and on me. No whatever. one poking me. No one. Yeah. yeah. Whatever she's got to do to reclaim her sensuality and her body. And it's something as simple as that. I mean, we're not talking, you know, that's the thing when we talk about these restful activities, we're not talking about mind blowing, you know, new science. We're talking about just being intentional in what we do so that we get what we need. I love that process of, of asking, like, what do you need? Because that's such a caring thing to do. And it's something that we would do to someone else that we love, but it's harder for us to do for ourselves to just stop and, and without any, any, like the answer can be whatever you need it to be. Hey, like, I love you. What do you need today? And mm-hmm. then actually responding and giving yourself whatever the thing is that you need. Um, that's such a, like, such a loving thing to do. And it's, it's simple and, and it's amazing that it can have so many like positive, the, the, the ripple effect can be so like wide and long lasting. Yes. And I, I love that, you know, a lot of times women will say, well, my husband wouldn't understand. My husband wouldn't do that because this woman has said that she's like, my husband would never take on putting all three of those kids to bed. When he found out it was going to change his sex life, he was more than happy to put those kids to bed. <laughs> he was like, whatever. Okay. Perfect. Daddy's reading books. So <laughs> yep. you'd be amazed because all of our motivations are different. You know, and that's not a bad motivation. I mean, that's important to him. Yeah. Their physical relationship was important to him. Right. And he loves his kids, but he didn't even know how to, he wasn't going to come and say, well, I'm going to take over this for, for you. You know, that it would have been almost like confrontational because they weren't discussing their needs. Right. And I think that's very important with rest. You have to be able to have healthy boundaries, but also have healthy communication. Mm, that's really good. Okay. So I just want to ask, you know, w- as we're thinking about this and as we're going to dive into the quiz and find out what areas of rest we're lacking in. And, and, and as I feel like all of us are sitting here, like, okay, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm about to take some steps, um, in this direction, which is really cool. Do you have just a last piece of encouragement or anything we didn't cover? Like anything that is just important for us to know moving forward into this journey of rest? I think probably the number one thing is just to kind of keep that mindset that rest is not about just the cessation of activity. It really is more focused on restorative activities. What can you do to restore the areas of your life that you're pouring out of? And then to to not feel any kind of shame or guilt or fear in reclaiming that and doing those things that you need to do to keep yourself at your highest level of capacity, at your happiest, at your most joyful, most energized, because really that's when you can pour back into the lives of the people you love so much. We always want to kind of pour and give it to everyone else without, and don't really want to feel like we're taking anything for ourselves, but you have to take for yourself to be able to continue to give to them at the level that you desire. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, man. Sandra, thank you so much for for all of the work you do. I mean, one, just in your medical practice as a doctor, thank you for, for all of your work, especially lately. And um, But thank you for, for blazing this trail ahead of us and for paying attention and, and listening in your own life and for, for doing the research so that we can, can start feeling more rested sooner and because it really does seem like that's not only the best thing that we can do for ourselves, it's the best thing we can do for all the people we love and serve as well. 
So absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you so much to all of you who've left those beautiful five-star reviews already. I can't tell you how much it means to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I have to tell you, you are going to love this one. See you then.